Hi, this is Kendall Boyson, professional life and recovery coach, and you're listening to Encouragementology, the practice of instilling hope. Hi there. Thanks for joining me. On this show, we are getting in a groove. Not their groove or their groove, but yours. It's time to settle in and find your stride. Have you had enough of the high highs or the low lows? Been on a roller coaster of inspiration and productivity? Keep putting off what you want because you just aren't sure how to get started or when? It's time we recognize momentum and use it to find our stride. So many of us start the year with loads of great ideas and good intentions, only to run out of steam before we ever really get started. Why should we be busting out of the starting gate on a pace to hit the finish line with record speed? How about we adopt a healthy balance and a maintainable pace that will get us further down the track to success? No more shotgun starts, only to find that you come up short. Ready to create your own beat that you can groove to? Oh, I'm just as guilty. If I had a dollar, or rather, if you had a dollar, for every time I said, I need to join a gym or start exercising, you'd be counting your millions about now. I'm a driven goal achiever, but I can't seem to find the momentum to make exercising a reality. Find something you like. Make it a part of your day. 28 days to make a habit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard it all before. Applying it and making it stick is what I'm missing. I remember every August, before I started back to school, I would say to my best friend, I'm going to be more reserved this year. You see, I never once got a positive mark for conduct. I tried, really, I did, but I couldn't seem to control my mouth. Not what I said, but how often, the volume, the timing, never appropriate. My first grade teacher said, she talks more than I do, and I teach the class. So every year, I would start off being quiet, rejecting the impulse to add in my two cents or offer a funny zinger. And every year, I would fail. See, I think going against your grain might be impossible. Instead of a leopard changing his spots, what if he could just choose a different background? I take back what I might have said in the past, Nothing is impossible. In this context, that may not be true. It's not that you can't do it, but you have to have the desire and the will to do it. I'm sure if I really put my all into it, I could become a runner. But I don't possess the desire or the will to make it happen. Let's explore these ideas as well as what it takes to harness your momentum and find your stride. It might be changing the way you look at these things altogether. William Cho starts us off with knowing this difference will give you everything you desire. Wish versus desire. Found at mystudentvoices.com. When you understand the difference between a wish and a desire, you'll find success in your endeavors. When conducting a search on Google for the definition of wish, It states that the word desire is a synonym. At a glance, you may not see the major difference between the two words. P 
people say these words are interchangeable. Hmm. I disagree, and I think knowing the difference between these two words separates the winners from the losers. A wish is passive. The way people use it is passive. It's feeling or hoping for something to happen that is not easily attainable. When you're young, what did you wish for? A fancy car? A winning ticket for the lottery? A pretty girlfriend or boyfriend? A juicy Big Mac from McDonald's? How did you wish for it? Was it a thought in your head? Was it a prayer to God? Was it a prayer to the universe to change the course of time and the fabric of reality to fulfill your wish? Regardless of your method, you are asking for someone or something to control the external factors to hand you the very things you wished for. You wanted to sit there and wish that, by a miracle, by unbelievable luck, you would be gifted whatever you asked for. It wouldn't matter how it came. It wouldn't matter where or who it came from. If it just appeared in front of you, you'd have no questions and would be extremely happy because by the definition of a wish, it was highly unlikely to happen and not easily attainable. You did nothing but wish for good things to happen to you. You sat right there on your rump and you wished for it. You did nothing to prove to yourself and to others that you deserve the unattainable. The worst part is you probably won't be able to keep your fortune up for too long. You know why? You didn't build up the necessary skills and knowledge that needs to come with obtaining the unobtainable. Think about people who come from poverty who end up winning the lottery. 70% of lottery winners end up broke again. Lottery winners are more likely to declare bankruptcy within the first three to five years than the average American. They struggle with depression, suicide, and divorce. They lose friends and family over green paper. They have no prior knowledge or proper money management. They don't know what to use their money on. Their mindset is still stuck in the poor mindset. They don't think about saving or investing. They don't have the discipline that millionaires practiced and developed over years. They want to skip the journey and land right at the destination. The vital fact they missed was that real lessons are learned throughout the journey. Only those who had arrived at the destination through the journey knew of the secret. All they think about is spending, gathering the greatest luxuries that they always wish for, and buying unnecessary things that are marketed to people with money. They try to spend money on every aspect of their lives to hide their insecurity, their ultimate fear of becoming or looking poor once again. Never would they have to eat frozen dinners or wear the same pair of shoes. They'd only eat at Michelin star restaurants and have thousands and thousands of expensive shoes. Their money is all spent in trying to shape how they look to other people. They'll be generous with their money in all the wrong places. When their credit card is finally declined, their house taken away, and they can no longer afford to buy a simple cup of coffee, they'll come to the realization that they had never changed. They never adopted the mindset of the rich. They were still poorer in their mind and would end up paying the price for it. Their so-called friends will slink back into the shadows. 
Desire is an active process because you know that whatever you desire is obtainable. You change yourself and look for opportunities actively. You set your sights on the top of the mountain and prepare accordingly. When people say something is impossible, your ears perk up. You understand that no one sets limits for you but you. You understand that whatever you desire, you can and will get if you truly believe you will get it. If you want to be rich and prosper, it starts in the mind. When you desire something, for whatever reason it may be, you fundamentally change how you view the unobtainable. You realize that nothing is, in fact, unattainable. Your mind is absolutely limitless. You can conceive and truly believe in something that many people will find absurd. Napoleon Hill said, Whatever the mind of a man can conceive and believe, it can achieve. There are no limitations to the mind except those we acknowledge. believe it? Do you believe that the limits you have been setting for yourself are all because you've acknowledged them? You've given them credibility, a reason to make you scared. You can achieve your wildest dreams. You can make possible what others say is impossible. Many people say earning $100 million will be impossible. Well, it's impossible if you have the same mindset as those who are wishful. If you desire $100 million, you'll find that you'll have to think outside the box. You'll have to follow the footsteps of others who chose not to conform. So from that moment on, if you truly desire $100 million, you will look for opportunities that you can create or find that will lead you to that large sum of money. You actively start looking for the necessary skills you will need to cultivate $100 million. You'll start a business or look for businesses to invest in. You'll realize that the conventional perspective of you will never earn $100 million was created from those who were scared of failure and humiliation. Those who wanted the money without working for it. They try setting artificial limits on ambitious people because they don't want to see them succeed. It would only remind them of their inability to overcome their fears. The crab mentality burrows deep into those who failed or feared their wildest dreams. You now know the distinction between someone who wishes and someone who desires. Someone who wishes makes excuses and sets limits on their mind. If they're able to think that something is impossible, then they're able to hide their head away. If they're able to forgive themselves for not chasing after their dreams, they are willfully blind and see the world full of limits and impossibilities. If something is simply impossible, they have an excuse not to do anything about it. They can be relieved that they don't have to try anymore because they're not going to fail. They can die knowing that their wildest dreams were indeed impossible and they had no choice but to live a comfortable, normal life. 
Someone who desires will set their sights on the summit and will never give up because they know they can make it. They take responsibility for their fate and they line up their mindset and actions accordingly. They work hard and never give up on their dreams. They have no excuses, no impossibilities. They set no limits on their mind and they achieve their heart's wildest dreams. They are ones who change the world themselves. Steve Jobs, Albert Einstein, Martin Luther King Jr. The people who are crazy enough to think that they can change the world are the ones that can do it. What are your wildest dreams? Do you think they're crazy or do you think they're obtainable? Are you aiming high enough? If a lot of people around you doubt what you desire, take it as a sign that you might be on the right path as long as it doesn't endanger the livelihood of others. You may not get what you desire today, not even in a couple of years, maybe even decades. But if you have one life to live, why not go for all your dreams? Why not fail and drag yourself through the hard times? What are you afraid of? Here are six ways to turn desires into gold, taken almost word for word from Napoleon Hill's book. Think and grow rich. These six steps will help you align your life with your goals to change you from someone who simply wishes to someone who desires with all their heart. Let's say you want to become rich, which is a goal of a lot of people, but this doesn't just apply to money. So see how you can apply these things. Number one, think about the exact amount of money you desire. Not a vague statement like, I want a lot of money. Be definite in your answer. Number two, determine exactly what you intend to give in return for the money you desire. What are you willing to sacrifice? There is no such thing as something for nothing in life. Number three, establish a definite date when you intend to possess the money you desire. Give yourself a deadline. It will make you efficient with your time. You'll plan how to expect to gain the money. Let's try to be practical with this. Don't say tomorrow or in a week. You can dream wildly, but you must plan efficiently. Number four, create a plan for carrying out your desire and begin at once. Whether you're ready or not, put this plan into action. This is the most important part. Many of us will plan and dream, but never execute. Start now because you will never be 100% ready. Number five, write out a clear, concise statement of the amount of money you intend to acquire. Name the time limit for this acquisition. State what you intend to give in return for the money and describe clearly the plan through which you intend to accumulate it. A one-page summary that can serve as a reminder for you. This is to eliminate vagueness. You know exactly what you need to do to get to your ultimate goal. And number six, read your written statement aloud twice daily, once just before retiring at night and once after rising in the morning. As you read, see and feel and believe yourself already in possession of the money. Napoleon Hill emphasizes the importance of the final step. 
He knew that many people would do the very first five and then hesitate on the sixth. This is a crucial step because it helps you visualize the end goal, the moment you've waited for. You need a daily reminder as to why you're doing the things you set out to do. You need to hammer the belief into your head until there is no doubt. The list can also be applied to any ultimate goal. The most important aspect of the list is that you codified what you desire. You quantified the amount that you would be satisfied with. You stated clearly what you needed to do to achieve your goal and planned out the roadmap. You gave yourself a deadline so that you can be accountable for your actions while anticipating D-Day. Then you reminded yourself to start now. There is no time to waste. The book was created solely for those who wanted to become rich. But believe me, it's not just about money. The underlying motives for your goal is extremely important. Why do you want this money in the first place? What is the driving force of your desire for money? What will you do with the money you've gained? You must continuously have an overarching goal that justifies your chase for the end result i.e. money. Is it to provide yourself with freedom from your 9 to 5? To be able to do things you love while having the ability to support your family and loved ones? To be able to invest all your time in the things you love in more creative endeavors? Think about why you're pursuing this goal. You may lose sight of this goal along the way, which is why it's important for you to follow the sixth step in your list. You can and will achieve your heart's desires. Start today and don't look back. As he mentioned, that scenario was all about money. But you can see how applying that line of questioning and thinking could help any goal. The first thing is, why? Why do you want it? It's so easy to be shooting for something you don't even really care about. Someone said it was important, and so you adopted that idea and you made it a focus. But do you have the personal desire needed to make it happen? If I stay with the exercise example, because Lord knows I won't be able to control my mouth for long, I can break down exercise several ways. When you think of exercise, what do you picture? Someone exerting themselves, really pushing it, sweat flowing, huffing, and puffing? I do. I see a treadmill and an unhappy participant. Now think about why you want or need to exercise. Are you trying to lose weight? Build muscle? Stay flexible? Strengthen your heart? Would your personal goal change the picture in your head? For me, I want to stay flexible and build muscle. Now let's think about logistics. How much time realistically do you have to dedicate to this effort? Where can you make room for it in your day or week? Okay, we're here. Add another intersection. Motivation and momentum. Hmm, let's figure out those two things. Coley Lane Busquette shares motivation versus momentum. How to use both to become a consistent powerhouse found at lifegoalsmag.com. So, you didn't want to clean your apartment. A 
the spark never hit you to do it, but suddenly you just started sorting your mail, which led to cleaning your counter. And suddenly you're cleaning the entire kitchen. And you think, wow, that wasn't so bad. And before you know it, you've inspired to clean your entire house. What started as a little movement gathered into momentum and transformed into motivation. While motivation is defined as a desire to do something, or how I like to think of it as a spark of inspiration and inclination to do the thing, momentum is a force created by a sequence of events. So, can you start with movement and get to motivation? Or do we have to start with motivation in order to become productive? I'm not going to get all hardcore physics on you because it's not my forte, and I'd surely butcher it. But here's a quick relevant piece that plays a role in how we can get things done. Newton's law of motion says that a body in motion stays in motion. For example, let's say you're roller skating down a hill because you're experiencing a little quarter-life crisis and need a thrill that doesn't involve jumping out of a plane. So you're going downhill, gaining speed, and the force becomes stronger as you go down the hill. You're like, oh my gosh, I'm going so fast. I hope I don't crash. The speed and force between how you're flowing. Remember, you're not moving your feet much. You can just glide down and you're basically unstoppable. It's not taking any energy and you're soaring. And even if you run into a person and crash into them, yikes, You're not going to just hit them and fall down right there. You're likely going to have enough force behind you to continue moving forward before crashing. When you gather speed and energy into what you're doing, you're going, going, going. You're going to gain momentum. The force carries you forward without much effort. You're not working hard to keep it going and it builds as you go. So when motivation isn't striking you, can't you use momentum to guide you into motivation? It all starts with movement, a.k.a. taking action. Okay, so let's dive into how to use the sequence of movement to momentum to motivation to become a consistent powerhouse who gets things done even on the laziest of days. When motivation fails... How do you stay motivated? They believe that they need to stay motivated in order to achieve their goals. I believe it's a myth we buy into to convince ourselves that we're just not invested enough in our goals. I'm just not motivated enough. Or I must not want it bad enough because I don't feel the spark. When the reality is more complicated than that. Yes, finding that thing that keeps you motivated regularly is important. When you have a big why, an intrinsic motivation, we'll get to that, it's a killer for your long-term productivity. But motivation still ebbs and flows, and there's a lot more that keeps us stuck than just motivation. Can you guess what the number one powerful motivator is? Fear. Fear of losing something. Fear of missing out. Fear of not being successful. Fear of letting your parents down. But do you know what also keeps us from getting motivated? It's also fear. 
Fear of not having what it takes to make something successful. Fear of getting rejected. Fear of not being good enough. Fear of not being taken seriously. Fear of putting yourself out there and hearing crickets. We have experiences that have shaped us and built into our motivation-seeking tendencies. There are two main types of motivation, intrinsic and extrinsic. Basically, you can sum up the two. Intrinsic equals inner will, and extrinsic equals based on outside rewards. Intrinsic motivation looks like decluttering your home because you enjoy a clean space. Drinking lots of water to stay hydrated and healthy. Writing a blog post because you enjoy sharing your perspective. Working out because you like staying active. Extrinsic motivation looks like getting a job so that you can make money. Doing a homework assignment because your professor instructed you to do so. Getting your degree just to make your parents proud. Signing up to run a marathon so you can impress your friends at the gym. According to the self-determination theory, intrinsic motivation comes from three things. Mastery, autonomy, purpose. We are internally motivated when we feel like we can do something and do it well. When we have ownership over what we're doing. And when something gives us meaning. Intrinsic motivation is going to keep us more fulfilled long term. It's going to give us a sense of meaning to our lives. And that's what we should lean on to keep fueling our motivation. That said, sometimes we're not able to get motivated because we don't have any momentum. Everything feels overwhelming. We don't feel like we have control over anything. And that's where fear comes crashing in. There's so much to do. What if I'm just lazy? My life is a mess right now. I just can't get it together. When I'm in this spiral, it feels impossible to get out. It's likely that without creating a momentum-boosting routine, I could be stuck in this place for weeks at a time. So how to kickstart this movement, momentum, motivation train? Start with movement and don't look at the big picture. Going back to the example of cleaning your entire apartment, how many times have you thought, I need to clean this apartment, and felt overwhelmed to the point of taking zero action? Yeah, because the full picture is overwhelming. Where do you start? How many hours will it take you? What if you have something else better to do? All these questions and doubts come flooding through. One of the greatest parts of a momentum strategy is that it builds off of one small action and allows you to coast down from there. So how do you start? Just put the skates on. Allow the flow to happen to you as you start moving and taking action from one task to the next. Instead of waiting for the spark, you just start taking action first until you get the spark. 
And eventually, because you build up momentum, you'll start doing more. The motivation will start to follow because you've stimulated your sense of control. You no longer feel powerless over your to-do list or the goals you set for yourself because it feels more achievable. It feels like you can master the goal, which is one of the core aspects of intrinsic motivation. When it comes to getting things done, we want a sense of feeling that we can accomplish it. Otherwise, what's the point? We want that intrinsic motivation to kick in. We can get ourselves to that feeling of mastery, autonomy, and purpose that makes us feel motivated to meet our goals. And then we're unstoppable. So instead of seeking motivation first and waiting for that spark, kickstart it by taking action and see how you flow and gain traction towards your goals. You've got this. Who else is feeling that little bit of excitement in the pit of your stomach? You know, when you've just stumbled onto some revelations and you can't wait to apply them. A new approach, new direction, new tools, let me at it. Hmm, not unlike being in the chute at a horse race, ready to launch into full speed ahead. Uh Uh-oh, a warning sign. I believe I saw a caution flag waving. How can we make sure that we don't peter out? Cindy Gallup says, The single largest pool of untapped resources in this world is human good intentions that never translate into action. Maria Kang says, There are no scores for good intention. It either happened or it didn't. Get to work. How are we going to maintain this feeling even long enough to create a habit? We have to find our stride, a healthy balance. It could be all about perspective. Marissa Brackey explains why keeping momentum requires getting perspective found at her blog, marissabrackey.com. Whether it's writing a book, making a million bucks, or getting the garage attic organized, you're excited about the goal you're chasing and eager to see it come to fruition. In your excitement, you keep comparing where you're at today with where you want to be, measuring how many more words you have to churn out to hit the book's goals, how much more money separates your bank account from the seven-figure mark, or how many mounds of long-neglected relics stand between you and an organized attic. The comparison is normal, and it's often discouraging. When you compare where you are right now with where you ultimately want to be, you typically wind up fixating on the distance between these two points. The problem is that instead of getting smaller and smaller, that distance tends to appear wider and wider. The more hours and heart you pour into the journey, the more you might find yourself thinking, after all that, I'm only this far? I have so far to go. And that's a discouraging perspective. The finish line looks further away when you're in the middle of the journey than when you started at the starting line. That's the funny thing about perspective and energy. When you're at the starting line and your energy is fresh and you're jazzed up and about to get started, you're feeling anxious and butterflies and dizzy and adrenaline and new adventures, it's a little like having beer goggles on. The passion and excitement of the start can distort the distance to the finish line 
and make it feel like it's right there on the horizon. Like if you just stretched a little bit, you might be able to touch it. Then when you're in the midst of the project and the energy of the start has faded, that same finish line looks way out there. It may even feel like it's vanished from sight, as if someone keeps moving it further and further away day by day. Your faith may waver as to whether it's still there at all. It's hard to maintain momentum on your journey when you're losing hope of ever completing it. Both versions of the finish line, the one right there so close and the one way far away, are mirages. The finish line wasn't close enough to touch it when you started, but it also hasn't vanished from the horizon entirely like it seems to in the middle. Neither one is more real than the other. They are each in their own way, just a trick of the light. They're each just a different perspective of your big audacious goal. And that's the good thing because the beauty of perspective is that you can change it. To change your momentum, you have to change your perspective. Go ahead and set that big audacious goal. Envision holding that printed and bound first edition of your book. See that seven-figure total in your bank account. Imagine seeing the back wall of your garage or attic that's been hidden for so long. But then, once you've got that big goal set, immediately start breaking it down into smaller sub-goals. That's important. Those sub-goals are your key to maintaining momentum on your journey. Because even if that ultimate finish line feels unobtainably distant, your smaller goal, a mile marker on your journey, will be visible within reach. Instead of comparing where you are now to where the finish line is, you can see how close you are now to the next mile marker. By hitting a series of smaller goals, you give your brain something to focus on other than how far away the ultimate finish line is. And this isn't just a mental trick you're playing on yourself. The shift in perspective is a purposeful strategy designed to help you attain and maintain momentum. Each time you reach a mile marker, you're proving to yourself that you're making progress, that you can do what you set out to do, that your journey is successful. We aren't wired to keep spending our energy on something we believe we cannot achieve. Your brain needs that positive input, and let's not forget your spirit is pretty grateful for it too. Hitting those smaller goals gives you a boost in energy and confidence, and that in turn keeps your momentum going. If your tank of momentum isn't going to last until the next mile marker, then make an even closer mile marker. These are days or weeks when slogging comes more naturally than frolicking. That's okay. It happens to the best of us. When you're in a slog-prone phase, your momentum gets used up much quicker than usual. So you won't be able to travel as far without a momentum boost. So give yourself even smaller sub-goals. Make them doable. Don't expect your momentum tank to last you as long on a twisty, steep-graded uphill climb as it did when you were coasting down a smooth, rolling hill. Set your mile markers accordingly. Some days, that may mean that your mile marker is, by your unusual standards, incredibly small. 
that's great. Hit the mile marker and give yourself a high five for doing it. Then set a new one. Make it another incredibly small one if you need to. Then hit that one too. Giving yourself small sub-goals keeps your brain focused on the smaller, can-do-able steps of your big goal and then gives you the energetic charge of having done them. Your alternative is trying to force yourself to keep aiming for bigger sub-goals, not hitting them, and then kicking yourself around the next day and a half for being a big old failure. Guess which one of those results in more momentum and more efficient progress to the finish line? Mm-hmm. So if you need to break your sub-goals into even smaller sub-goals, by all means, do it. And keep track of how many mile markers you've hit. You don't have to literally keep a list of every sub-goal you achieve, though that's one way to do it. You could keep your completed to-do list in your journal or in a file on your computer to review and celebrate ever so often. You can also review for yourself at the end of each week or at the end of each day and jot down one thing you did that got you even a little bit further along the path. Or have an accountability partner who can help remind you of all your mile marker successes. How you do it is totally up to you. The important thing is to give yourself some way to keep perspective of what you've done successfully and how many mile markers are in your rearview mirror. When you find yourself getting stuck in the perspective of how far you are now from the ultimate finish line, review all those accomplished sub-goals. Remind yourself of all those successfully passed mile markers. Gently shift your perspective from, I'm so far away to, I have reached so many mile markers and I can totally reach the next one up ahead. Because at its core, a loss of momentum is often a loss of perspective. We let off the gas when we think we're starting to lose faith in our ability to make it to the end. We start feeling discouraged when we focus more on how far there is to go instead of how far we've come. We lose momentum when we lose perspective of just how much ground we've successfully covered on our journey to our big, audacious goal. Shifting your perspective is not always easy, but like any practice, the more you do it, the more of a natural part of your workflow it will become. For clarity, let me say outright that it isn't wise to lose all awareness of your ultimate finish line. It's necessary to maintain awareness of it so that you can continue to make course corrections and ensure that all the actions you're taking of your sub-goals will still get you in the right direction. But when it comes to momentum, viewing your journey as a series of which mile marker comes next, rather than a long, drawn-out, are we there yet, will keep you exponentially more energized, confident, and motivated. It's about that time. Let's run through the top 10 key highlights. Number one, when you understand the difference between a wish and a desire, you will find success in your endeavors. Number two, real lessons are learned throughout the journey. Number three, whatever the mind of a man can conceive and believe, it can achieve. Number four, 
What started as a little movement gathered into momentum and transformed into motivation. Number five, intrinsic motivation is going to keep us more fulfilled long-term. It's going to give us a sense of meaning to our lives. And that's what we should lean on to keep fueling our motivation. Number six, one of the greatest parts of a momentum strategy is that it builds off of one small action and allows you to coast down from there. Number seven, when you compare where you are right now with where you ultimately want to be, you typically wind up fixating on the distance between those two points. Number eight, it's hard to maintain momentum on your journey when you're losing hope of ever completing it. Number nine, to change your momentum, change your perspective. Number 10, hitting those smaller goals gives you a boost in energy and confidence, and that in turn keeps your momentum going. share Encouragementology with a friend who needs to know they are not alone in this journey of self-discovery, you can visit Encouragementology.com or anywhere you stream your content to receive this episode and all others. Follow us on Facebook for additional encouragement throughout the week. So I challenge you, before you head into the starting gate, take a moment and explore your motivation. Is this something you desire? And if so, Map out your steps to gain momentum. Finding a stride with a pace that suits your life is paramount in maintaining a healthy balance. I know you can do it. Thank you for listening to Encouragementology with Kendall Boyson, where we find positive ways to handle some of life's challenges. Someone's through until the past was clear. That's when I found you.